Hey guys, we're continuing our conversation in 1 Peter about responding to chaotic times, how to act in the last days, and just the general topic of suffering and how to respond to it well. Today's passage is 1 Peter 4, verses 12 to 19. And we're going to be talking a little bit more about suffering and how what we should expect when it comes to suffering, how we should respond to it, um, and just a little more in depth into relating even to Christ's sufferings. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator, while doing good. The more I share in his sufferings, the more I share in his glory. Suffering isn't for nothing. At the very least, it bonds us to Jesus and ties us to a solid future with him. When I am insulted for his name, I am blessed because God's spirit and glory rest upon me. It's such an opposite reaction to the world. Things that feel hard and unpleasant are actually blessings in God's economy. They bond us to our Savior and reap glory for us in the future. There's much glory to be found in suffering for Jesus and under God's will. I think a super helpful description for me in this passage is that I suffer according to his will, not always specifically persecution for his name. Some may say the only suffering that is truly counting is that of a martyr's persecution and suffering. Others would say that all suffering across the board counts, even self-inflicted suffering, such as being a murderer, thief, evildoer, or meddler, as the passage mentions. I love that God clarifies that aspect as well, essentially saying that stupid reasoning. It's not his will that we be those things anyways. He says we shouldn't be surprised when a fiery trial comes upon us to test us, because fiery trials shouldn't be strange to us. And I don't think he means this in reference to believers either, because he talks about how judgment, and I assume this testing as well, come to the righteous and the ungodly and sinners. The difference for believers is that when we suffer under his will or for his name, we gain glory, blessing, and intimacy with our creator that should cause us to rejoice, whereas the ungodly suffer pointlessly. I think this is truly important because it shows that all humans suffer, but the why behind our suffering matters. I've often asked God why in the midst of my own sufferings, and I've sought specific reasons and been frustrated and disappointed when none was given. I think this criteria for why is so helpful, though. If I did something evil and I suffer a natural consequence, or if I align myself with Christ and suffer persecution, or if God's will is simply behind it and I have to trust him, all of those differences matter because that's the purpose behind my suffering. I don't think the answer of why is necessarily like 
God's spelling out a specific reason like, you're going through this because this is going to happen or because I need this to be formed in you or whatever. I think the why is more like, okay, this is happening because I was honoring his name or this is happening because it's in according with his will or this is happening just because I screwed up. Evil things happen all the time. Children die of cancer, accidents occur, people get crippled, maimed, or killed. We're sinned against and hurt by others. We can be killed, stolen from, poisoned, all sorts of things as a result of someone else's evil. These happen to both the righteous and the ungodly. The way I see this passage, Peter's essentially saying that suffering happens to everyone, but you aren't to add to it by being a cause of someone else's suffering through acting in evil. You can avoid a lot of consequential suffering by not acting evilly and by living God's way instead. This saves you from much of the suffering that most unbelievers face. However, I think we should also be aware that this doesn't mean that we escape all suffering. Because by aligning our lives with Jesus, evildoers will hate us just as they hated him. By living like him, you will likely be persecuted for doing good. And we shouldn't take this personally, but instead rejoice that others see us as so similar to him that we're hated just as he was. The other caveat is choosing Jesus doesn't mean you avoid the normal sufferings of evil in the world that everyone else faces, since faith doesn't inoculate you from the world. On a positive note, if you do suffer in those ways, you can have confidence that those trials pass through God's hands first, and by the time they reach us, it's only because it's his will. The passage says, Let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while still doing good. What should I do when I suffer? I should claim my blessing, remind myself of the glory awaiting me with Christ when he is revealed, and I should revel in the intimacy that I'll share with Jesus. When I go through something hard, I'm reminded of his sufferings, and I'm also reminded that he suffers with me as I go through these things. And that's such a cool way for me to deepen my faith and my trust in him. Then at the end of it all, I simply entrust my soul to him as my faithful creator, and I keep on doing good, even in the face of hard circumstances. He is faithful, and I can trust him. And I think when we take our faith to the level where it's no longer about why is this happening, but what is the purpose for which I'm suffering, we reach a level in our faith where it becomes much more personal with the Lord and the delight increases exponentially because then it's no longer about, okay, how long is this going to last? Why do I deserve this? Or what are you trying to achieve here? And it becomes, wow. I'm learning more about your heart through this. I'm learning more about how you suffered. I'm seeing life through a different perspective. I'm reminded that this place isn't my home. And I'm challenged even to go into your word and get to know you better because when I'm hurting, I'm much more attentive to what you're saying and what you're doing in my life.